you know, our space is unique in that there's a plethora of brands, clothing, shoes, uh, that, you know, we're seeing sponsorship at a, at a, at a greater depth than most sports. Now it's not monumental, um, financially, but it's supportive. Um, it's allowing these kids to travel and live their life. Um, it may not be extremely profitable today, but you know, the fact that it's there, um, is really something I'm proud of because it's what my focus was when I got in. Welcome to another episode of the Chalking Fitness Podcast. I am delighted this week to be able to welcome Matt O'Keefe. Um, you'll be a name and a face that's familiar to, to many people. Um, but Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm pumped to be here and, uh, and catch up with you. People might be like, oh, Matt O'Keefe, I think I know who that is. So Matt, you're president of uh, Loud and Live Sports, um, but you're also a, uh, an athlete manager or athlete agent for a number of very well-known athletes within the CrossFit um, sport. So Matt Fraser, you've worked with Katrin, um, Tia Platumi, um, also Annie Thor's daughter as well, just to name a few. Um, so you've got a, a, a be right saying you've got a lot of aspects of many different areas of competitive CrossFit. I do, yeah. We um, and and again, the athlete management stuff is a part of Loud and Live. So you know, Loud and Live Sports uh, is sort of the. Um, progression of my career in the space i started in the clothing business funny enough uh, probably eight years eight years ago with a company called redline gear it's how i met matt and, and sponsored him and um you know he needed some help so i sort of progressed into you know managing or caring for him mostly not managing right and um really was attracted to that side of the business the marketing side uh, there was a lot of uh, opportunity and growth to be had for athletes. Um, I think it was undercapitalized on their side, mostly because a lot of them were just kind of like taking what was being thrown at them. Uh, it wasn't really a formal market, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, it was still chaos, a ton of growth opportunity, but nobody really uh, put, you know, putting, you know, a lot of accountability measures around kind of how things are transacted in general whether it was an event or an athlete no matter what in all in a positive way people were just bullish on the space you know as we are crossfitters you know you enter a gym you become super passionate about it and doing more within it so um yeah i, I you know i sort of gravitated to that side and you know before i knew it managed you know 20 of the, the best athletes in the world a few years back um i believe 2018, um, I consulted the new owners of Wadapalooza, who is Loud and Live, my partners, um, you know, to help them understand the space a little more uh, as an outside from an outsider's perspective, uh, you know, predominantly on, you know, partnership, relationships within the space, kind of athletes, some of the moving pieces. And, um, you know, we did, we just really got attracted to, you know, our work. Our, we had a great time working together and attracted to doing more. And I merged with them in 18. Uh, so Loud and Live now makes up, you know, we have five, what were sanctional events. We'll see what those are called moving forward, but mm. large events globally, uh, Wadapalooza, West Coast Classic, Granite Games, Madrid CrossFit Championship in the Mayan CrossFit Classic, uh, which is in Mexico. Um, we manage a number of athletes, about 20 or so. 11 of them competed in the, the games uh, stage one last week. Uh, five of them advanced to the final 10, uh, two males, three females. And um, 
we do marketing work for brands. So we are uh, a marketing services agency at our core general market. And we've brought a lot of that to now the sports world where we're, we're living health and wellness. So we represent uh, as an agency of record, uh, many brands and, and help them with their marketing initiatives. Uh, no, I think that's really interesting. And, and one of the things I've always seen is whilst kind of the, the, the tip of the spear, as it were, the elite level, the CrossFit Games level, athletes, the brands around them, and the events that kind of allow them to kind of uh, showcase their, their craft um, often seem um, kind of huge. But as you've just described, like your career has evolved with the sport, with the athletes. You work very closely with Matt. Um, in that, so it's not a cut and paste of an existing sport, sporting kind of uh, operation into CrossFit. It's as you, I think you also described it as it's passion driven by individuals, individuals that become partnerships, and then they, they grow and, and meet the need as it as it as it's needed. And I think that's that's one of the beautiful things, and why I love kind of reaching out and talking to people who, um, and I, again, really appreciate being able to talk to you about this. In that we look at like competitive CrossFit. Kind of 2007, it was on the ranch picking workouts out of a drum. Now we have kind of like kind of multi-day events. 27 of them were sanctioned for the 2020 season, um, and you know, huge endorsements, huge exposure on social media, other types of media as well. So it's amazing to kind of to see how something that we all take so much enjoyment out of has has grown so quickly, but also so from grassroots. It is. It's. Um... It's really fun to be a part of. I, I'm very grateful for my position in the, the ecosystem. Um, you know, I have a lot of passion for the people. And, and really, like, in, in the end, um, we have a lot of great minds of people involved in the space that are really passionate about CrossFit itself um, and the competitive side, especially. And, you know, the evolution's been incredible. You know, you watch, you look at what now I'm... Uh, stewarding with loud and live in Wadakalooza was 150 people at a park 10 years ago um, now it's 45,000 people uh, ascending on Miami every year in January February 2,500 athletes competing a thousand volunteers you know 150 brands uh, spectators all over the place it's you know, this year was really fun it's it was sort of the last uh, big event before COVID uh, you know, took over the world. And uh, man, for those who weren't there, it was crazy. Like Wadapalooza has popped, you know, and, and, and when I see that, I, I, I say competitive CrossFit too has, you know, the games has always been a big, um, proud piece of, of our culture. Uh, the It's trickling down now. You know, our event, we had lines uh, around the property for, to get in the stands to watch the elites. I mean, it, it was good problems to have that we'll fix moving forward. But man, it is so cool, uh, the evolution. Um, and then the trickle down is the athlete and, and brands seeing value uh, coming back and increasing their position with athletes at events. It's, um, I'm really proud of our work, uh, the space and, and how it's grown and the people that are involved in it. Uh, that's really what, what's made it great. You know, whether it's from, you know, the organization um of crossfit down to to people like myself and and, and loud and live and other you know you know event organizers and or agencies that are that are attributing um work to the space no and i absolutely agree on that and and it's one of the things especially with with waterpalooza every year i see more and more um 
of those from Europe, especially the UK, heading over to, to whether it be spectate or to, to compete. And I think the beautiful thing about as the events have been able to grow, whether they be opening additional divisions, but they're also expanding on the spectacle that they offer to a spectator, it feels more like, you know what, it's worth going, whether you're going as a spectator, a recreational competitor, you know, because it's a fitness holiday for some, and it's not for me to decide why they're going, and we can kind of get into that, right? What's their why for going to the to, to, to compete? But there's so much to do, and, um, you know, in the past it might have been, yeah, we can go to regionals, um, maybe go and spectate at the games, but now there's just a hand, there's more than a handful of events to kind of go around, whether it be kind of, on the continent in Europe or, or over in, in, in the US or even down in, in, in Latin America and further afield than that. Yeah, when you, you know, you touch on something really important, which is the experience, right? And, and, and as we've evolved, I mean, I, I started CrossFit and, you know, really the premium events were in gyms, um, very close with Ben Bergeron. And, and, you know, he used to run what was probably the largest event in the world at that time, which was the ECC or the most focused, you know, event. And, you know, it was on a, it was in a college gym really in the end. Um, the evolution's incredible and in, in what people have learned to focus on. And it's what I think we could be some of the best at is, is the collective experience, whether it's a volunteer or consumer a brand or an athlete, um, you have to create, really fun premium experiences that make people attracted to coming back. Right. And it's, um, you know, we're really proud of that, particularly with Wadapalooza. We wanted to get to do that with our other four events this year, but unfortunately weren't able to. And what we're most excited about moving forward is expanding that uh, experience to, to the globe. It's, um, it's, it's an area we concentrate on and, and take a lot of pride in. Um, you know, we had, 55 or 60 countries represented at Wadapalooza and do every year. Uh, it might not have been a good time this year to have, you know, the globe ascending on Miami with, you know, probably COVID spreading around, mm. but I'll tell you, it's, um, it's incredible. And I, you know, I see your shirt strength and depth. Um, Ollie does a great job. He's a good friend. Um, and, you know, I've competed at Sid uh, on a team a couple of years back and to watch the evolution of the experience alone there, with its move to London proper, um, you know, that's it. That's it moving forward as an, an event organizer. Um, and, and the games really were the first to do it, was create a premium experience for, the, for, the, for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we all strive to do that because, um, you know, we want people to come back and have a good time and, uh, and really, you know, put it on the calendar annually as, as a must, you know, of our business. Um. And, and before we kind of get on to like the events kind of going forward, because I say uh, Loud and Live has got a roster of five events planned for 2021. Um, one thing I really wanted to ask you is like looking at the athlete first element of, of the business. So how has the kind of like day to day, well, maybe not day to day, but week to week kind of caring for athletes had to change in the, the last six months with all of the kind of uncertainty there's been? That might be kind of an obvious question. If we wanted to be specific, I guess it would be around I think you mentioned you had you you had eleven athletes competing in stage one of the games. So so that's a big change um, and a specific big change for perhaps in the past. If they were at Madison or Carson, you can check in with them all head, uh, face to face, and and that's been a bit different this time. Yeah, it's a great question. We ad we've adapted well. I think um, whether it's um, you know handling people digitally from afar or in person. 
um, you know, the bottom line is just making sure that we're present and, and you know, helping them any way we can. We travel as much as we can, particularly myself. I'm generally with Matt when he competes. Um, so I was in Cookville um, with Matt and Tia. Um, you know, we have others that help, um, you know, or will travel to or just be available. But, you know, the last six months have been a lot for the athletes in general. There's just been a ton of uncertainty. So we've worked really hard to, um, you know, you know, instill confidence that we're still bullish in the market. We have a big position outside of just our work with athletes. So, you know, what hasn't changed is that we know that this is something that is, uh, you know, people want to do, people want to watch. It's mm. just a matter of getting back to it. Uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of curveballs in the last six months, six months. Um, COVID started it, and, you know, the, all the, the chaos around CrossFit HQ yeah. um, that's worked out really well. We've just tried to support them any way we can. And that's, you know, far further than just the group we work with, you know, amidst all the chaos, we tried to take a leadership position in supporting the athletes and their decisions uh, related to the games and CrossFit. Um, and, you know, we're, we're in a really good place right now. We've learned a lot. Um, you know, we've worked, had a lot of conversations with people we care with, care for, and even others outside our system to try to just instill confidence, you know, and those guys, um, I'm really proud of everybody involved. Um, you know, CrossFit did a great job this last weekend. Uh, that was a big win to have the games happen, even digitally, and then now going to Aromas. Uh, the community needed it. Um, and the athletes persevered, you know, really. Uh, so did CrossFit in, 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 a, in the same way. But the athletes persevered. They prepared. They put on a show. Um, you know, they got better, uh, as you can see. You know, uh, performances were incredible. Uh, it's, uh, it's such a a testament to, to their character. Um, mm. it, it's been a wild six months. Um, we've all learned a lot about each other and it will help us really, you know, get through these next six months to 12 months with, you know, how this looks and, you know, how do we compete? COVID's not going away today. Um, you know, so there's a lot to still navigate, uh, but we're confident we can do that together. Now, a number of people that I've spoken to on this podcast over the kind of last kind of few months, it's one of the things that these have been kind of unprecedented times. So we're just used a lot, but, you know, adversity breeds adaptation. And I think the CrossFit community is one that thrives in adversity because we just like, right, that's a challenge. How do we approach it? How can we get better? How can we not only survive, but also thrive? in the adversity that's presented to us so yeah so I, I did catch up with the the latest kind of episode from uh the buttery bros and some of the stats that came out of matt's performance there around when he doesn't know how fast he needs to go that's how fast he'll go <laughs> and you know to, to kind of come to do friendly fan that fast but also to hit a 21 pound pr on his front squat as well that's uh that's kind of like really impressive and like say so Matt is an example there, but the athletes keep getting better. They keep getting stronger. They keep getting faster. They work so hard, you know, and I'm um, most visible to Matt on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and Tia, to some extent, Katrin, Katrin lives locally to where my home is. Um, they, you know, they all work hard. They choose a painful path. Um, you know, their line of work is really painful. You know, if you're not, really pushing your limits on a daily basis. You're not, you know, where you need to be. Um, you know, and I can speak really specifically the weekend to, to Matt. Um, you know, 
it's uh, he continues to amaze me, um, even though I know his every move and, and how he'll act. And one thing that's always consistent with him is, is uh, he brings it, it, it all to the floor and, and doesn't leave a stone unturned. You know, he, um, I think I even said in, in that episode, you know, there was a lot of questions throughout the weekend because I think what people didn't really get to see was, um, you know, you do a workout and you're like, great, I did it in three minutes and eight seconds. Hopefully that's enough. I have a lot of comfort, particularly, you know, when I'm with Matt around things like that, you know, the open particularly, you know, if Matt has um, not had this disastrous blow up in a workout where like, you know, he's failing, which never really happens um, and he's hit his limit, it's enough. You know, he's um, worked really hard to be in that position. And, you know, I continuously said that throughout the weekend, you know, friendly friend, I said, that's enough. Um, you know, that you were at your limit, you know, uh, Diane, he, you know, was, you know, struggling in his last set of handstand pushups, struggling for him as doing sets of five. But, you know, in the end, um, for me, it was a data point of, yeah, that's good. You know, you're probably going to win that workout because you're at your limit. Um, and again, that's like easy to say, but man, there's a lot of hard work that goes into that. The same for all the athletes. Tia was particularly in a similar boat and we were together, you know, sort of wondering if it's enough. Like you look at that GHD workout, you know, I think initially the score came out that Kara beat her, but Kara did not. Kara was a minute plus slower than Tia. Um, Tia's workout was astounding. You know, she mowed that workout down generally for a, a person like Tia, if that's, you know, how she gets through a workout, you know, touch and go on all the cleans, really fast GHDs, no breaks on the double unders. I think it's hard for people to compete with that, with that, you know, and the same goes for Matt. Um, so yeah, they work so hard, yeah. uh, all of them. Um, and, you know, those two particularly uh, when they're at their limit and, you know, haven't sort of chosen a, 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 a bad path in a workout, uh, that blows them up, um, which rarely ever happens. Um, it's usually enough. Yeah. Oh, no, that, that's amazing. And thanks very much for kind of sharing that kind of like that insight into <clears throat> the relationship you have with the athletes and the effort and, and that you see from them. And I think it's really good to see that because I think often for, for people like myself and the majority of people, what you see is you see the ability, you see the effort or you see glint. You see a lot of the ability, you see glimpses of the effort, but what you don't always see is the the discipline and because the discipline is always there and the mindset to be able to, as you described it, live the, the tough life. Because it's easy to think it's just, you know, Instagram filters and, and PBs, but the majority of the time is the discipline, the going without this, the, the not <laughs> having that. And and so thank you very much for kind of like sharing a, a little bit into that, that side of what it takes to perform consistently at those levels yeah that's um it's stated you know you definitely do um, hear the storyline whether you know crossfit's telling the story mm -hmm. or brands are through the athletes that they work hard it's understated though mm -hmm. um the 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 amount of work that goes into a day is astounding it's yeah. just every minute matters um those that are ultimately successful are recovering um, doing recovery work, sleeping on a very regimented schedule, mm. eating, you know, on a perfect schedule and nutrition is on point. It's, um, listen, I know athletes globally work really hard no matter what sport they're in and they 
you know, turn every stone. Um, you know, when you look at a CrossFit athlete, uh, what's different is that they're essentially blacked out every day. You know, it's one of these things where it's like, you know, the pain is, is the only guarantee on a daily basis. And um, I don't know that that's the same. Uh, mental anguish is probably consistent across every sport because you've got to push your limit to prepare to be the best at what you do. But the physical pain that these guys endure on a daily basis is crazy. And I think it's just the uh, told but uh, undertold story of, of, of this sport that's probably most incredible um, in the grand scheme of things. It's just at another level from a training perspective. And, and I think looking back on the last two years since um, CrossFit media went independent, is how I'll describe it. Um, we we now see um, a lot more variety in the way that the athletes experience the athletes' efforts are are portrayed. I was talking to Tommy Marquez the other week, and he, you know, when you in media, you're a lens, right? You're taking real life and projecting it to the masses that wouldn't otherwise see it. So, you know, whether it be a brand or it be kind of uh, Heaps and Marston kind of capturing that story you can kind of give it a different angle so you can see more and and I do think we're starting to see more and more kind of intimate media I think CrossFit media always had a certain style it was on brand um, whereas we're starting to see different styles and different insights so I think we're lucky to get more of that now yeah I love it it's um it's an area for uh, opportunity to moving forward I think you know especially with the new ownership group I think you know, they'll be um, back focused on media, but I think not exclusively in a really good way. Um, I think they'll help prop up that diversity in the market. And, um, you know, I'm really excited what the future looks like. I think we'll definitely uh, on our end get into some more content creation on our agency side to assist the, those in our ecosystem for mm -hmm. sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think one of the, the wins of, of some of those changes was that, you know, you see guys like the buttery bros, uh, Craig Ritchie, mm. um, you know, with the hustle team, uh, hustle made team like that, that stuff's amazing. And it's, um, it's variety, uh, it's independence, um, you know, talking elite fitness, you know, morning chalk up. I really enjoy it. It's a great perspective. Um, and those people work really hard. Uh, for themselves in in this space you know yeah. they um, they tell great stories and um, they've really helped the growth over the last mm. couple of years yeah so so talking about growth and, and going back to the to, to events so loud and live now have a, a roster of five events planned for next year um, and you know you mentioned at the moment they're not sanctionals I think there's evolution going on within HQ we've seen some I think some constructive some some significant change, but what appears to be very constructive going forward, the the town hall meeting with with Eric, um, he started talking about trying to enable um, more athletes to make a living from from CrossFit. Um, you were talking about uh, Waterpalooza has uh, 2,500 athletes competing. It could have so many more than that. There's only a certain number of people you can fit in. Well, the queues remain um, remain kind of acceptable. Then there's the content element. Um, and I think that is content, creating content of the events is one way to potentially monetize. And the other thing that Eric mentioned was around trying to compare cross competitive CrossFit to other sports. And he mentioned tennis specifically around viewer numbers. Um, I think it was like half, half a 
half a billion or something like that. Anyway, but it was definitely not going up towards soccer and NFL. But what do you think is required to try and bring competitive CrossFit media to the masses? Because I think at the moment it's mainly CrossFitters that watch CrossFit, whereas other sports, it's a lot broader than that. Yeah, it's um, it's all of our goal uh, goals. Um, it's a, it's a collective, uh, cohesive approach. You know, I think, uh, Eric's leadership will be, um, monumental in, in the long-term success. He, he's the here CrossFit has done an amazing job with building this sport. Um, and I think the prior ownership group was a little reluctant on, um, make, you know, putting the sport on a pedestal because of their initiatives. Um, the new approach, <clears throat> from Eric's uh, team um, and, and those that have stayed have bought into uh, and are really excited about is that the, the sport is uh, the catalyst for, for all of the success within the walls and the modality. So I think it's, um, it's really exciting. I think Eric plans to really put a lot of fuel on the sport. Um, it's the inspiration, um, you know, and the catalyst to, to the success of CrossFit. So I think what you'll see over the coming you know, months and then years is uh, a really newfound, uh, extreme focus on the sport from them that will trickle down. Uh, and that, you know, um, coupled with, you know, our passion for the sport with our position and other event organizers uh, spells for uh, a really fun uh, amount of success moving forward. And I think the media focus will come to that. It's just, you know, building a product that's understandable um, and, you know, processable for the public um, general market, um, you know, and building, you know, key, you know, relationships with media um, that I think, um, you know, CrossFit had done some of before, but, you know, I think there's a newfound uh, focus on, you know, broadening, broadening that scope um, and, and really, you know, working hard to tell stories, um, you know, and to, to work with broadcast partners to get it you know, get it out there globally. So it's a really exciting look on the future um, because the, you know, the sort of governing body CrossFit is, is all in now on the sport. And, you know, I think there are always people internally that were all in, but collectively not um, as an organization. Um, they were, you know, and it, it, that's not saying anything out of school. You know, I think, you know, Greg was very uh, open about the fact that he thought, you know, this um, sport was maybe um, a deterrent for people to walk into a CrossFit mm -hmm. gym. That's a 180 view from, from Eric's perspective, uh, which I think spells um, some glory for the future, really. You know, him wanting to really invest uh, in that being the catalyst for his business, uh, it means really big things for the sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I think that that's always always the thing, especially it goes back to what we talked about earlier, is that this is a competitive CrossFit is a is a very young sport, yet we often view it with like 21st century eyes alongside the likes of NFL and soccer, which have been around for like decades, if not like hundreds of years, not in the kind of professional sense, but they've been around a long time and probably went through a lot of this turmoil before the likes of social media where you found out everything instantly. And I think that's kind of like one of the, you know, there are pros and cons to social media, but often it's like you want things straight away. And I think it should be really helpful to feel like, you know, both the core leadership and the games and those that thrive and have a, a livelihood around competitive CrossFit are all pointing in the same direction now. 
Yeah, it's, um, you know, what's interesting is there's been, especially the last, you know, and as we kind of work through some of the chaos, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, how does this look moving forward? And Eric's been super collaborative, you know, and his team on outside opinions, which is a really cool new approach. And, you know, I've talked a lot about other sports and I think it's careless of us to not, you know, at least analyze what others have done. You know, you look at NFL and MLB and NBA, those are major market sports that, you know, will we ever get there? Probably not, but there's a lot of sports like tennis and golf um, that we can derive a, a lot of, you know, experience from and mistakes that we don't need to make. Um, and the structure is there for us to build into. Um, and, you know, he's spoken to it a bit um, as I have some of his leadership team. Um, you know, we've done a lot of research. We have some, you know, uh, relationships within golf um, that, you know, we've been able to derive a lot of knowledge from to, to help, you know, put some thought into what does the structure look like moving forward? You know, we have a lot of work to do to get there. Um, but, you know, what we do is tour and, and we're building a, a sport that, you know, has a touring mentality. And there's other sports that have cut their teeth on that over the course of 50, 100 years. And we don't have to make those mistakes. Um, and and uh, these guys are looking at that as are we to, to help facilitate and steward this moving forward. Mm. Uh, that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see see where it's going. Definitely the sports side. And, and I think I, I'm of the opinion, as you've been describing, that nurturing and growing the sport can only help the community aspect which is which is the other side that i get so much from is is that kind of have sharing you know shared values and, and passions with with other people where it's about that health and wellness lifestyle not just the competing yeah. um so taking it from the event level to the to the athlete level over like the last few kind of months i've definitely spoken to people and i've heard other people people speaking about the kind of the cost to compete to the individual athlete um you talked about kind of water blues are um loud and live being around creating experiences and i guess then what we end up in potentially is that athletes competing are on a huge sliding scale some of them are there to make memories whereas others are there to make money and that one of the examples I got uh, explained to me was around focusing on some of the European competitions as well. Unless you're finishing on top of the podium, then what you're doing as an athlete is loss making. And maybe that's down to the, the individual athletes to make peace with that. And I have heard some athletes say, you know what, as long as I have fun, I don't mind. But I think with the quality and the level of competition constantly getting higher and higher, we know how much athletes have to put in to be able to consistently compete. So is there a trickle down to the athlete level when we talk about mainstream media, mainstream events, is there then that trickle down to more athletes being supported so that they can kind of consistently compete? Yeah. And that, that's really what we're working hard to do is, is what you're describing is professionalizing the sport more. Right. And it, it, it's, um, it's, you know, really what we're most passionate about at Loud and Live on the CrossFit sports side. Um, and, and as is CrossFit, you know, at this point, I think that they, uh, there's a strong realization that, you know, there's a, um, you know, there's a correlation between, you know, uh, the growth of the athlete and the growth of their business and vice versa, right? So I think it's, um, you know, Eric has set some strong goals for, um, you know, KPIs for how, you know, an athlete is compensated in the space, which is just a trickle down of their mm -hmm. success. And I think, you know, we've worked really hard to be a catalyst on prize money. Um, 
you know, we were set to give away a million, <clears throat> a million three in prize money this year across our five events. Um, you know, we are awarded over, a little over 400,000 at Wadapalooza. And then that's up from the year prior, 300,000 up from 200,000 the year prior. We're really looking to uh, forward invest in that because of what you're saying. You know, we need to uh, support the athletes because that supports their training, that supports professionalizing the sport. So listen, the more eyeballs, in the end, all this comes down to is the more eyeballs on events and or the sport, the more brands will invest in not only events, but broadcasting and athletes, right? So those characters within the walls are a really important component to telling that cohesive story. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, I've been at it for, I don't know what, seven or eight years now. And the growth on that side has been monumental and it continues to grow exponentially every year. That didn't stop. Uh, in COVID. Yeah, there was a halt for a little bit. People, you know, waited to kind of look at what this looked like, but people are bullish again. Athletes are getting compensated at a higher rate today than they were yesterday. Uh, That's continued to grow. We need to speed it up. There's a group of athletes, you know, the barrier of entry gets greater. You know, guys are, and girls are making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars at this point Mm -hmm. competing. Um, And there are people that you know, don't have two pennies to rub together that are trying to get to that point. Yeah. Um, but that's not like, listen, you know, one of the things that we've talked a little bit about this over the last you know, few months is um, that's not different than any other sport, you know, um, ra- you know, sort of rags to riches, you know, people um, invest in themselves um, to, you know, in their own success. Um, and it, it, it's costly, you know, whether it's, you know, becoming great at tennis um, you know, yeah, that's a wealthy sport in the end, but there's a lot of stories within those walls of kids whose parents, you know, lived in a one bedroom apartment to, you know, support their travel. Yeah. Olympic stories have are riddled with it, you know, yeah. um, people, you know, you know, not having nickels to rub together in order to, to really function in their sport and, you know, then winning a gold medal and that brings success. Um, you know, I think always in sport, you know, one of the big issues, you know, people will look at NBA and MLB and, and Premier League and, you know, there's depth to the compensation there. It's a different structure. Mm. Um, you know, endorsement's always going to be, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, brands will focus on uh, the top, you know, 0.001%. You know, that's because they've built a, 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 you know, an attraction to marketing themselves so that's where the investment comes where we have a lot of work to do and we will succeed is creating compensation for people's achievements on the floor and we're getting there right it's you know increasing the prize money at the games increasing the prize money at Wadapalooza events like that increasing prize money at all the events road doesn't matter what it is and we're you know those of us that own and operate those events we're committed to that you know um, the athlete success is paramount for us. So, um, you know, there's a process, it's eyeballs. Um, you know, there's a lot of work involved in it, uh, but we're already having, you know, growth success in, in that category. You know, there's a big media partnership that was signed for the CrossFit games for October with CBS sports locally, but, um, there's global partnerships as well. Uh, we're kind of back, you know, when it comes to that and yeah. people are going to start seeing this and the investment grows off of that. No, and, and, and thank you very much for that. But exactly what I wanted to try to get, like, I was really pleased to kind of reach out to you and, and get you, kind of your insights because 
there's different experiences, different visibility of things going on. And I think, like I say, it's, it's always going to be kind of endorsements are going to be for those elite level athletes because they have the exposure at the right levels. Um, and, and then, yeah, the, the trickle down of getting um, reward for performance at the different events is, is really important. And some of those KPIs you mentioned, uh, Eric's mentioned as well, will help to kind of like bring all the sanctionals globally up in certain areas and I know as a spectator um, when someone was first talking to me about this and saying do you know how many thousands of dollars I've spent competing and I know how I love watching it for free on YouTube or only expecting to go and pay $50 to watch when actually you know it can be a lot more to have a subscription to a sports channel or to have a season ticket to go see your favorite team so I do wonder as a as a fan of the sport I've got a, a role to play as well. You do. Yeah, everybody does. And I think that that mindset's key too, right? It's, um, we're all growing together, whether it is a spectator contributing. Um, mm. You know, I think, you know, there's a natural reaction to pricing, you know, for a ticket or sponsorship. But, um, you know, quite frankly, everybody right now is in a growth mode. Um, you know, profitability is secondary to growth, right? So it's one of those things where, you know, everybody, a lot of people will look at Waterpalooza and they'll be like, oh God, they're raking. And the answer is no. Yeah, we're doing really well, but we're taking a lot of that money and reinvesting it, you know, because, it, you know, quite frankly, we're not even close to where we want to be. And that's because athletes need to make more money. We want to create a better experience for consumers. We want to, you know, get more people on the floor. So there's a direct correlation with the participation to the success. And, and um, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things where I think too, from an athlete perspective, um, the depth of sponsorship in our space is, is, um, is groundbreaking. Like one, I, I don't, you know, I have a lot of uh, general market sport knowledge and experience and um, you know, like basketball, for instance, there aren't, 20 athletes with shoe deals you know a lot you know people don't realize that you know lebron makes 30 million from nike um you know there's a few others Kawhi, new balance you know there's an adidas but they focus on one human or two right so there's probably 10 to 12 guys in the nba that have big shoe deals the rest of them are just getting uh an allocation product allocation or 10 yeah. like they're not getting paid to wear their shoes essentially right yeah. so you know our space is unique in that there's a plethora of brands clothing shoes uh that you know we're seeing sponsorship at a at a, at a greater depth than most sports now it's not monumental um financially but it's supportive um it's allowing these kids to travel and live their life um, it may not be extremely profitable today, but you know the fact that it's there um, is really something I'm proud of because it's mm. what my focus was when I got in the management space. But we um, we're very fortunate. It's an incubator. Uh, it's a very entrepreneurial space. There's you know, and you know this from being around it. It's you know, there's people go to a CrossFit gym. They become passionate about it. They see an opportunity because it is so growth minded. And, uh, you know, we've RX bar was born in a CrossFit gym in Chicago. This mm. kid was Peter, uh, what Ray Hall was rolling these bars in his mom's house. Um, it sold for $650 million to, to, to what is it? Uh, General Mills. Like there's, yeah. um, uh, multiple stories, you know, Noble and Rogue, you know, billion dollar brands from what I, you know, I can see it's, um, mm. it's, uh, and there are, 
you know, you know, Born Primitive, an awesome story. There's these smaller businesses that have yeah. been very successful and they reinvest in marketing athletes and supporting athletes. So there's a lot of depth, which is a very fortunate component mm. to what we do because it isn't just Matt and Tia and Katrin and, you know, our athletes that we're working with and Andy that are getting the deals. There's depth to it right now, yeah. um, which is promising for the future. Yeah. Now, now, I really agree. And I think that's one, another one of the things I, I love. And we talked about how your your role has grown kind of with the athletes, with the sport, rather than it being like coming across from a different sport. The same, we have like the likes of Nike and, and Reebok, but equally we've got brands which have grown with functional fitness, with CrossFit. And I think that creates that, helps keep that community even as it grows bigger and bigger. Um, so no, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, and the final question I've got, talking of growth mindset, obviously Loud and Live has expanded uh, beyond the US now. We've got five events planned for, for next year, including kind of one in Madrid. Um, to kind of be positive, I know there's uncertainty, but could you finish with just like some of the things you're really, really excited about for those events, especially given we're European based over here, um, the one in Madrid? Yeah, we're, I mean, in, in general, our excitement is, you know, the opportunity to actually operate the events, right? We didn't get, you know, we're really bummed about not being able to run through our calendar last year. We got Guadalupe in, which, you know, is great um, and fortunate for us um, from a business perspective. But, you know, we set out to operate those five events this year we were literally a week away from running california's event um, mm -hmm. the west coast classic in the you know world got tipped on its head so you know we've worked really hard um to put on incredible experiences for everybody in those markets um and you know those markets have been super excited about those events and really dug in with us with them uh so we're just most excited to find a way to physically show up this year. I mean, there's still a lot of uncertainty around, you know, the beginning of next year, Q1 and two, and what does that look like on gathering larger crowds? I believe the CrossFit community is most resilient and will want to regather as quick as any. Mm. Um, so we're looking at, you know, how do we take data and, and, and go, right? And, um, you know, that Madrid event, you know, I, you know, for those that haven't spent any time in Spain, it's one of the most passionate CrossFit communities in the world. Um, they're so uh, proud of the opportunity to have a premier event, um, and they've really supported us in it in a, in a big way. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, pride um, in each of those events, and uh, we're very bullish on making sure that we put on a great show. So, you know, there's a lot to play out with how the season looks and, you know, what participation in it, it means. Um, and, you know, we're all working really hard together with yeah. CrossFit to, to, to bring that together. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd be remiss to not say that, you know, we're just excited to, to show up, you know, and, and put on a show for everybody and we're going to, you know, die trying. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, I know I've got my, my eye on that event and I think like say, within the CrossFit community, typically growth minded, typically optimistic and, and definitely kind of hardworking to try and get over adversity and make something happen. So super looking forward to next year with, with all those events. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, that, that, um, that I love the European market. I will tell you it, it's, um, I've spent a lot of time. Um, I've been to Sid, you know, a few years in a row now, uh, participated in it myself. Um, the French throwdown, 
Iceland, uh, Annie's event. Um, you know, obviously we didn't get to operate ours, but uh, it's, you know, the growth uh, in Europe is astounding. Uh, the passion is crazy. Um, it deserves so much attention and great events. And uh, we really want to work hard to help support those that, you know, we're not even involved in, you know, how do we really make sure that, you know, athletes get there and get to experience it and, and, uh, and our own events, how do we put on a really good show? That event in Spain was going to be amazing. You know, we had a really unique approach from a team perspective that would have been fun for the, the, the community to see guys like Matt and Tia and Belner putting teams together, um, just for a different approach and mm. um you know sad that it didn't get to go off but yeah. we'll be back uh, yeah. and, and we'll put on a show absolutely i've got it got it in the calendar for us uh, european spring 2021 so that's that's great well matt it, it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much oh, chief as i know you're kind of known as well it's been great to talk to you and thanks for providing kind of a bit of insight into your background some real interesting insights into working so closely with matt and tia especially um and, but also kind of like events as they grow. Um, I think it's, uh, like I say there's uncertainty, but it's exciting that we'll keep moving forward. Great, thank you. Thanks for having me, it's, it's a pleasure. Oh, no, thanks very much, cheers.